Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh. Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another edition of Buecher and Hollins, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, you can read me on Bleacher Report, and you can follow me on Twitter. He's Ryan Hollins. You can see him on ESPN, NBA TV, TNT. You can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins, and you can find him on Instagram at simply Ryan Hollins. All right, so Warriors go up 2-0 in their series, but they got a little bit. I don't know if you call it a scare. What would you What would you make of Game Two and the 17 point lead that the Blazers built in the first half? They're still still the JV squad. Uh, why do I say that? Steve Kerr hadn't had to make any adjustments. They're literally playing regular coverage. What do I mean by playing regular coverage? They're in a basic show, or the big helps out rather than switching. And what that does is you leave openings all around the floor. And they're saying, Portland, you don't have enough to beat us. Yeah. If it's not Lillard or it's not CJ, the rest of your supporting cast is not enough. We're going to leave them open. We're going to give them shots. And we're going to get back. And we're not even going to change or adjust our coverages to have to guard you. Now, what that does is it keeps Jeff Curry home and it keeps him fresher. And what it also does is it just says, hey, you know, make us change. Show us enough to make us change. And when you make us change, then we'll start switching everything. Then we'll change up our game plan against you. But right now, you're getting basic. And hear me when I say this, Rick. Regular season defense from the Warriors. Yeah, no, they they basically just didn't play in the first half, and then they went to their trapping, dialed up basic defense in the third quarter, and that was enough. And then they backed off. They were like, once they got it within range, we're good. Okay, now we're just gonna play. We're gonna play straight up, and that's kind of the way it went. And you and you're right. Like they're not they're not taking the Blazers seriously yet. 
And the Blazers really haven't, in spite of the 17-point lead, haven't given them a reason. I still feel as if Ennis Cantor, by the way, for anybody who's listening and wondering what's going on, uh, Ryan is in, you're in a car? Is that where you are? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's I'm a, coming back from the show and I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to the house now. Sounds like you're on a, it sounds like you're on a ocean cruise. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty good car. This this uh this car is smooth, man. You know the <laughs> the black cars, man. It, it is. It's a very that's a great car. Like if I heard seagulls like cawing in the background, I would not. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. In any event, uh, we're trying to bring this to you as soon as we can. And since Ryan has multiple responsibilities, as do I, sometimes. We have to deal with less than ideal audio quality. Uh, our producer, John Libby, will do the best that he can. In any event, what can change in Portland to make this a series? Who has to be that third and fourth option? Because when they trap that high, to me, if they're trusting the big or whoever's in the middle of the floor, they should be able to get some three-on-two action. They should be able to get something. But... Those guys are playing like they've never had to do that before, or it was a shock to the system that they've been put in that responsibility. I just need somebody to be really aggressive once that ball, once CJ or or Dame or whoever's being trapped at the midcourt line, whoever receives the ball then needs to be decisive in whatever they're going to do. And I just, I didn't see it consistently from anybody. Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, you name it weren't consistently aggressive and i feel as if there is the opportunity and there should be somebody there who's capable of doing that well in a perfect world it would be evan turner uh he, he's a guy who can play point guard or does play point guard in your backup unit uh maybe you put seth curry in the pick and roll because steph is guarding seth and steph seth is guarding steph they're guarding each other on both ends yeah uh also maybe alfru permino you know he stepped up and had some big playoff performances uh, but you got to find a secondary guy to go and hop in that play, hop in that play. And I threw out Seth Curry uh, because he wants Steph to actually have to guard the ball. And, and Seth is going to make you pay. And he, he had a pretty game tonight uh, as is. But, you know, even bigger than that, they got to get ugly. They got to hit Golden State. They mm. have to get physical. I, I, I mean, the gloves, the gloves didn't come off tonight. They played harder. The strategy is, was better, but the gloves didn't come off tonight, Rick. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's what I felt too. I felt like this this series hasn't started yet because the history between these two teams, there should have they should have come in chippy. They should have already they've they've faced each other before. They face each other enough during the regular season. They've had enough back and forth that I felt as if there should have been more emotional fire in this series to this point. And look, the Warriors don't need to bring it because they've got the upper hand. It's up to it's up to the Blazers to make this a little uglier and to get into it, to get into them. And we haven't seen it yet. And it'll be interesting to see if we see it up there. Yeah, I agree with you when it comes to uh, Seth. And get, I guess the question is, can he sustain that? We, it was a great game. It's not something you expect on a regular basis. Is there, because he knows Steph so well, that it there's there's no intimidation factor? Can he continue to get done what he got done tonight? I believe he can, Rick, because he knows his older brother's moves. He yep. actually picked Steph clean on a fast break transition play. Yep. And a- another thing is, you know, 
he doesn't shoot off the bounce. He doesn't create like Steph. But if Seth is wide open, you can consider that money. Or if you fly out at him, at him, uh, he's going to shot fake, put it down, and make a good good play, Rick. So I have a lot of confidence in Seth. But he's just he's not my primary guy. But he's a guy you got to respect. The primary guy, of course, is Damian Lillard, and we talked a little bit about him after Game One, needing him to step up. I, after watching this game. And I'm not here to make excuses for, for Lillard. He did end up having 23, 10 assists. The numbers looked good. There were times in which he was aggressive. I don't know what's ailing him. He doesn't look right physically to me. Every now and then he'll give you a burst, but he looks, he looks like he's having to pick his spots. And I just would not expect that from a Damian Lillard in this series against this team with the opportunity that they had? Rick, right now, there's no space. There's no time. There are no excuses. If he's on the court, he's on the court. There's no excuse we can make. There's not. Steph is playing with a broken finger. At this time of year, everybody has a knickknack, has a bruise. Draymond's foot, I guarantee it hasn't improved. He's probably just shot up. He probably can't even feel his foot when he's out there. There's no excuses for Damian Lillard. Now, we, I do agree you saw spurts. You saw what we asked for. We really begged for this yesterday. And that's Damian Lillard being aggressive, shooting from 30 feet because he can, and making your coverage pay. And he's got to be the nightmare that says, okay, switch the screens on us. And if you don't switch, I'm going to get my teammate a great shot in which he can knock down. I'm going to be an absolute X factor. And I I agree. They're up 17. They've got to maintain it. But He's going to have to be that guy that puts a foot on the neck of Golden State. Mm. And we've been, we both agree to this, Rick. You don't beat Golden State with your defense. It's your offense. They have to continue to score. And that's something that they really did do. And a lot of that falls on Damian Lillard. And it's not just his shooting, it's him getting other guys open and putting them in the right situations. And if you got to look at coach and say, yo, he's not ready. Get him the heck out the game. I'm going to somebody who I know is going to make a play for me. That's what Dame is going to have to do. Yeah, I'm not making excuses for him because, and I'm, and I wouldn't make excuses for Steph and the finger, but we can acknowledge when a guy is not right. Like with the criticism that you had, and to some extent I had after game one was he was too passive. He was too trying to facilitate and that he needed to be more aggressive. But I will say, if a guy's not turning the corner, if, if he can't beat the trap, and like, I'm, that's, that's the thing. I'm just, I'm seeing him get bottled up in ways and get stuck. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, this is, I really hate to say it because I hope it's not the same situation. He looked a lot like Chris Paul in certain situations where he wants to go. He wants to be aggressive, but he just ends up getting stuck in bad situations, picking up his dribble. And now not being able to get out of it, I, I I see more of that in Damian, and I have seen it in this series than I'd seen it even against Denver, to be honest with you, and certainly not against Oklahoma City. So I just I I, I feel like we have to acknowledge there might be something wrong with Damian that is contributing to his overall lack of production. And I agree with you on this. This is what this is what I was thinking in the first half. As they went up 17 and they were, I was like, it's not enough. Like, it should be 24. It should be 25 because the Warriors just weren't defending. They had plenty of wide open looks by good shooters. 
Farouk Amino, like wide open, doesn't hit a three. CJ McCullough, missing wide open threes. Like they couldn't get comfortable just because they had the lead. They had to put it where Warriors make a run, but the deficit is too big for them to fully overcome. That's what I felt like they needed to do, and that was the opportunity that they missed. They didn't they didn't take full advantage of what the Warriors weren't in the first half. No, I agree. They they didn't. Uh, you got to go at them. And uh, I don't know if you remember, I said, you know, they got to take a page out the Clippers book. And when the Clippers won that second game, they put it on Golden State yeah. and they kept it on. Yep. And there were no comfortable moments. There were no fast breaks. There were no flurries. Uh, it, there was a lot of mental toughness there. Because the one thing about Golden State, Rick, they're going to score, bro. You're, you're not going to shut them out. You're right. not going to hold them scoreless. You're not going to see these off nights. They're going to score the basketball and especially in the playoffs. They did such a better job, though, on the high pick and rolls and the screens in defending the three. Ennis Cantor stepped out more. I mean, it was it was really, it was like, okay, so you showed you're capable of it. Like, you can, you can step out and at least challenge that shot a little bit and enough to, to bother them. And look, as you said, they're going to make shots, but I felt like they did a, a better job of not allowing the Warriors to get into the same kind of rhythm that they had previously they had to rick you couldn't go anywhere but up from there it was arguably one of the worst defensive performances of all time hmm. that we had literally ever seen it was disgusting i could not believe what i was watching i i was ready to fire the entire staff or defensive coordinator of the portland trailblazers because it was beyond a player issue it was like hold on and i get the idea you know terry Stotts tried to clean it up and said you know our guards were supposed to harass them into the into the paint like are you are you kidding me yeah. stop yeah stop terry i love you you're my guy we go back we got history but d- don't don't do that one yeah yes uh, and by the way so as you may know or certainly was advertised uh two things that were advertised big with with espn's coverage uh and his canter and the fact that he's fasting uh because of his religion can't take any medicine can't drink any water from sun or, or eat from sun up to sundown. So let, let's hit that first. Have you ever played with anybody or played against anybody that was fasting and going through that? And if so, what was it like? No, I, I haven't, but my friend actually does it, and he's not of the faith. He's not Muslim. He's actually Christian, and he does it for clarity. And my understanding is that once you've done it enough and you – you know, you're kind of your body adapts and the hunger is really it's it, it's a mental thing. Mm. Uh, and, and it's tough to say that even in the NBA playoffs. But he told me it's not the big a deal that you would think that it, it would be. It's it's not. And, mm. you know, guys can go out and compete. You know, there are some twins in the NFL. Help me. Uh, I'm blanking on the twins. I know Sharif Abdul-Rahim yeah. once upon a time. No, no, NFL, NFL, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, NFL. And they were going through like training camp uh, during fasting time. They just said they, they were used to it. They did it. But it, it becomes more of a mental thing because your body like clockwork, like a drug. Food's like a drug, bro. And it's saying it's time to eat. And you got to fight your body. And it's it ends up being more of a cleanse than, than anything, even though I, I, I don't know if I, I'm brave enough to try that one, Rick. Uh, you're thinking of um, yeah, Hussein Abdullah. It was yeah, it was a safety. Hussein Abdullah is is with the Vikings. He's a backup safety, and he does observe Ramadan, Ramadan, which is the Islamic month of fasting and prayer. So he's at least he's at least one, and we're way outside of our 
our comfort zone right here. Um, but in any oh, event, oh, 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 oh no, I can go pound for pound with the NFL. Oh no, 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 I'm I'm not out the comfort zone. I just I just cannot. Think <laughs> well, I can too. I'm just the... it, I, when it comes to certain elements. But if I'm talking about a Muslim football player who is observing Ramadan, I wasn't prepared. No, you're right. I believe it was, uh, yeah, Abdullah. Yeah, you know, you're right, Rick. You're right. All right. Yeah. So, in any event, one of the other things that you sent me, which is quite opposite from fasting or, uh, or any of that. By the way, before we get that, the thing that I would think that would be the issue is hydration. That, that would be the big thing for me, is playing and not being able to drink any water. Yeah, that would that would kill me, bro. The water, that would be the one that would get me, but... I mean, you can do it. I mean, I'd be out there cotton mouth, but I, I mean, I assume before they go into this, these dudes are are, are drinking water like a <laughs> yeah, right. more water than whales, bro. <laughs> I know, but still, I assume that that is like at, before the sun comes up, that's a long day before you actually play. And then you play. That's a long stretch. And it's only one day? It's one day? Well, you can, you, you can hydrate as soon as the sun goes down. No, it's 30 days. I don't think I could last a day. You could last a day. You could last a day. Oh, I could last a it day. Was before for hydration, but, uh, you could last a day. Yeah. No, but playing an NBA game. You got to think this dude has been doing this for his entire life and competing yeah. and playing. So it, it just becomes something that you're adapting your body to it. Yeah, I suppose. Think about it, we've never heard of one athlete, one Muslim athlete. Uh, passing out uh, from fasting. You've never heard of it because it doesn't happen. Yeah, no, no. I wouldn't think about passing out. I would just think that you you, you might cramp up. So anyway, it's exact opposite of fasting and and uh, and, and observing uh, religious rites. The, uh, the, the message, the uh, story that you sent me, which I guess is an ex- excerpt from a book that Lamar Odom has done uh, that's coming out later in May. He refers to himself as a sex addict because he had uh, sex, he estimated, with some 2,000 women. It's not the Will Chamberlain 10,000, but nonetheless, you sent that to me. You didn't send it to me with any sort of comment or note. So what was it that captivated you or prompted you to send it to me? Well, it was supposed to just get a laugh out of you, Rick. It wasn't supposed to make the podcast. <laughs> Come on, man. Tell you, everything, I, everything I send you isn't media worthy. This guy can't hold water. Come on, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. But that said, it is on the podcast now. And you did send it to me. And it is, I mean, do you look at it as something that, you know, Lamar said to, I hate to say to sell books? Or do you take it seriously and say, oh, that's terrible. He's, he's, uh. He's got a sex addiction because I know people who have, you know, needed treatment for that. It, it does screw up their life to a certain extent because they, they become obsessed with it. But I don't, I guess the difficulty that I have with this is that I've known so many NBA players who were promiscuous, shall we say, or took full advantage of their celebrity and opportunity that. I don't know, for the length of career that Lamar Odom had in 2000, I, okay, if you say you're a sex addict, you're a sex addict. I might just say you're <laughs> you're uh, you're one of many NBA players that I know that have taken full advantage. I think every man that lives a stressful life or very active or, or competitive life 
is battling sex addiction. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just be honest, Rick. I, I think every man has to bat. It's kind of part of being a man, but more like I love Lamar. Like I remember playing with Lamar, and I swear as I read that, I heard him saying it. Like I, I just love yes. that dude to death, man. Like literally, there was no dull or negative moment. Like he's one of the funnest teammates I've I've ever had. And I I know he was. I don't want to laugh at anything because obviously he you know, ruined his marriage and things didn't work out. So that's not nothing cool to be laughing at. Right. And it is a big issue when it spills over that far. But I'm just sorry. Just funny. I, I heard Lamar saying it. I yeah. didn't read it. I heard it. You know what? It's funny. I did too. I, I did too. And I've had conversations with him where, and I don't know if you had this experience, but Lamar low key will say things that are just, that stop you in your tracks. And he says them kind of smooth and easy. Like one of the stories he told me was, and I forget how we got on the subject. He was talking about relatives and friends and everybody kind of pulling on him, wanting things from him. And they were having a barbecue at the house. And it was one of those where a bunch of people over and somebody wanted a loan and somebody else wanted a car. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He he went to the safe and he got 25 large in cash out and he burned it on the barbecue, set it on fire and said, I'd rather burn this than give it to all you people asking me to give you this. Like it doesn't mean anything to me, but it bothers me that that's all that this is about, which is you guys wanting something from me. And he just said it kind of low-key casual. I'm thinking, God, he took 25 lords. Just, you know, I mean, imagine, imagine, middle of barbecue. You just, you just drop those stacks on the, uh, on the barbecue and set them on fire. That, you talk about a showstopper, man. That had to get everybody's attention. Yeah, dude. Somebody, somebody did. But I, I feel I'm like, you know, like all jokes aside, Lamar is, is a prisoner to a lot of his fame. And the guy's been really good. I mean, since, I mean, I would imagine middle school and just been a, I mean, a, a celebrity is one thing, but like a New York basketball, yeah. like legend and Laker, and you, you mix in. And I, I don't think people really understand, like the dude hit rock star status, seriously. Mm. And he really, he really hides from that. He wants to be a regular dude, man. And I mean, he was just a joy in the locker room. I, I, I think the one thing he loved, about playing in the NBA, he just thrived for the camaraderie and the friendship and the day-to-day talks. And, you know, when you get caught up in the world and everything's sprawling around him where he can't just be himself, he can't be Lamar Odom, uh, it, it, it really ate him up. Yeah. I will say, just as a, as a dude, as a guy that I talked to on a semi-regular basis, anytime I saw him or we crossed paths, he was just, he was cool. Then or now. Like just as a as a human being, it's somebody who just they exuded coolness, chill. Lamar Odom was that. 
It wasn't the way he dressed. It wasn't anything. It was just the way he carried himself. He was just like, that is one cool dude. He just had a he had a way about him. And you know, and that's I guess that's what kind of bothers me about everything that happened with the Kardashians and the, and the overdose and disappearing and all that, which is it gave people an impression of who he is as just some kind of sloppy dope um, who didn't know how to handle his life. And I just feel like Lamar was was so much more than more than that. I mean, ended up some some really unfortunate things happening to him at his own hand, but there was just a sweetness about him, and he was just such a cool dude that I I hate that that's the image that a lot of people have of him because there's a lot more to him than that. Yeah, man. No, no, I, I fully agree. And uh, NBA celebrities, one thing, but I'll say it again. But when you hit that Laker, New York, you hit rock star status, man. And you can't, you can't, like I can go to the grocery store. Certain dudes can't go to the grocery store. I can take my kids to school. Certain mm. dudes can't take their kids to school and, and, and not be harassed. You know, like it's, it's a tough life, man. And people do not understand what that's like. So speaking of fame and New York and all of that, we had the Warriors winning another game without Kevin Durant. They showed glimpses. And by the way, the one other thing I want to touch, just touch upon. Okay, we get it. We get it that the Currys are a family and they got Steph and they got Seth in this series. But can we leave the Curry parents? Can we leave Dell and Sonia alone and not have a camera on them? Like every second, it just, it's overkill, man. I don't know about you, but I, it just, it was like, we get it. Stop milking this. First of all, I just feel it's kind of, it's just a little too intrusive and they're way too nice to ever push back on that. But the cameras being on them to me doesn't fully allow the Curry parents to truly enjoy the experience of watching their kids because they know the cameras are there. They know it's going to be dissected. So they got to kind of be maybe more on their P's and Q's than they really should have to be in this circumstance. Am I, am I being unrealistic in this day and age to say, can we just dial it down a little bit? I don't know, man. It's TV gold, bro. It's literally, it's gold. It's gold, Rick. It's gold. I'm not saying not do it at all. Scenario, I'm just saying man. get back off a little bit. I just felt like Every time, I mean, just just kept flashing on them about about ten more times than I needed to interview them. Flat, something happens. Seth and Steph, you know, something happens between them. You want to flash on the parents? All well and good, but I just felt like it was a constant. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just being overly sensitive uh, to that you know that this respect. Has never happened before, right? Yes, I no, I get it, I get it, but. Okay, so it's never happened before. It's happening. Yeah, do I need every? Do I need the reaction of the parents on every single thing? I don't know. Uh, look, if it continues, it, it, let's put it this way: At what point during the series do you say, "Okay, we've we've covered that"? We no point. No point. No point. <laughs> oh, no you, point. you become such a TV person. It's unbelievable. You are all it's in never, on the TV game. And do you understand? The Currys have just mixed with the rivers. This is this is a like. Oh, I know. Well, that that like, so, you know what this is like the royal <laughs> wedding, bro. When they get married, this is 
This is going to be out of control. It is. That is an interesting dynamic for sure. Since yeah. since the um, and I forget uh, Doc's daughter's name. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, I, I, you made me forget. I'm turning my fa- into my father. Once I think of a name, I forget it. <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking about that. But she was like, I've heard her get credit for Callie is her name, right? Yes. Uh, I have heard her get credit for DeAndre Jordan turning around and and staying with the Clippers because they were an item for a while, if I'm not mistaken. That had nothing to do with that, Rick. I would say that she had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Nothing, bro. No. Stop. No. 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 I'll leave it at that. Uh, By the way, I finally got a chance to watch the Raptors-Bucks game one in its entirety. And I have to say... If I'm the Raptors, I'm feeling okay. I feel as if I've got some matchups that are going to be problematic for the Bucks. I thought they did I thought they did a really good job of making Giannis play in a crowd and I believe that one-on-one they they can create problems for for Middleton. They can keep Bledsoe under wraps. I mean really it comes down to if Marcus Saul can do a better job on Brook Lopez or whoever, if they go smaller with uh, Serge Baca and they can find a way to minimize the impact of Brook Lopez, I, I I like where I like where Toronto stands, and I don't get the sense that anybody's thinking that way right now. The feeling is the Bucks were the best team on you know by record all year. They won Game One. They're only going to get better. I'm not so sure about that. I thought that. Kawhi didn't have a great game. I thought Siakam was up and down. But I, I feel like defensively, they can make the game much harder than than anybody has on the Bucks. And and they're gonna get they're gonna be able to score. There's some on the other hand, I don't think the Bucks one on one have the capability of stopping all the pieces that the that the Raptors have. Where are you on that? I stand with you. And the one thing about when you play Brooke Lopez, you allow Kyle Lowry to get off. And he's a guy that they they need to score. Mm. And when it came down to it, there's some questionable calls from the referees that really leaned in the favor of Milwaukee. And not to mention, Milwaukee took care of home. But the strategy is quite simple. They can put enough of a wall and guard Giannis with just one extra help. Yeah. And then they're just closing out late to the shooters, which just says, hey, Brooke Lopez, you, you beat me. And... But Lopez is a heck of a player. You know, I hate that they're like, where did this come from? Why is he shooting threes? The game, like, Brook Lopez has been good, bro. <laughs> He's been good. I had, to, I had to guard the guys. So uh, I, I couldn't agree more, Rick. I could not agree more. The one thing that Brook has shown me, uh, because I'm not surprised that he can shoot from range. I'm actually surprised that Robin never, his brother, has never developed the same ability to shoot from range. And his and his jump shot's not the same. I mean, Brooke has a much better better form than Robin does. But the agility that Brooke has demonstrated, he's not quick, but he's a little more agile than you think he is because of the way he's built. Like, I think he's more agile than, than Kevin Love. And I'm not sure that I would have said that a year or two years ago if you'd asked me to make that comparison. Oh, did you say he's more agile than Kevin Love? I think he's more agile than Kevin Love. I don't think, I don't think Kevin Love could 
at least the finishes that I saw in game one, I'm trying to think of times that Kevin Love finished that way. Like, are you seeing Kevin Love uh, execute a Euro step? I'm not. I'm not seeing him go in two different directions and put the ball up off the glass with touch. I saw Brooke Lopez do that the other night. I don't know. This is kind of a weird comparison. I don't. I don't. I don't know how to. Well, the reason I, I hear the reason here's the reason just, I make I it. Here's the reason I make it because Kevin Love to me has kind of a deceptive athleticism. He doesn't look like he's as mobile or agile as he is. And I would have said the same for Brooke, but I actually like Brooke showed me he did some things I've never seen Kevin Love do. That's the only reason I made the comparison. Yeah, I mean they're, they're different. I mean Brooke Lopez was a bona fide first option. On the Nets. Yeah, but they like, sucked. Bonafide, like, score. Like, <laughs> he was a great player on a really bad team. The guy, because you never had to guard him. He's seen double teams. I'm, he's seen all kind of stuff. I'm not I mean, saying he, I've guy. never said he's a bad player. He's yeah, a good you player. A guy who can score like that, and now you ask him to be a role player. He's never been a role player. Yeah. Like, the guy can, like, do you understand how hard it is to score double digits night in and night out against a double team? Like Brooke Lopez, bro, I had to guard this man. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not taking anything away from. I'm not saying that he didn't I'm not have saying game. Saying he's a bad player, but I'm but here's the thing. Like, but this is none the of thing that surprises me. But this is the thing. So the one thing that that was always the knock on him early on was that he was a phone booth rebounder. He rebounded his space, which is generally what a big guy does when he's not agile, when he can't move laterally. Brooke Lopez is showing me some things, at least offensively, where he's moving laterally in ways that I just don't remember ever seeing him move that way. It's it's not just these shooting threes. He's like, he's getting inside and showing some touch. I did not see, and maybe some of it is, you know, the evolution of the game and who's out there. And so, like, He's playing against generally smaller guys, so there's more space, or he's not getting bumped, or he, he can he can move sideways. He doesn't, doesn't have to worry about getting the ball up and on the glass because he's not going over somebody. I'm just I, more. I guess the bottom line is what I'm saying is I'm seeing more evolution in Brook Lopez's game than just shooting three pointers. I see it. A I see a complete offensive game and some moves and things that he's doing that I I don't remember seeing him have. Maybe you played against him. It, you, did you see all of this previously? None of this none of this surprises me. He never had to rebound because his brother got all the boards. And now Giannis kind of does that. It, it, none of this surprises me. I mean, I'm sorry. It doesn't surprise me. The dude is really good. He's been really good. And he has a very un, unorthodox way of playing. He's I don't know. He's just always been this good, Rick. Okay. I'm not saying he. I'm not know. saying he hasn't been good. I. I just. I've seen. No, but things. even the way he moves, he's always been very agile. Like okay. he's. He's just. He's a weird individual. He's. He's not really like a banger. He's not going to beat you up. He's just big. Yeah. But he's more of a, a, a odd like finesse big, and then he gets to the rim, and you're like, dang, he's darn near seven two. What is it about bigs, and how do you tip? And we're going to end on this because I was just thinking about Ennis Cantor and. Again, he played better tonight, but there's still, he still looks like he's in, there's times where I just want him to go at, at Draymond. And 
he looks hesitant. He looks tentative to attack him. And I feel as if Marcus Saul in some ways is the same against against Brooke a little bit. Are there guys around the league that you instantly know, oh, he doesn't want any of this? Or, you know what? I know I can make this guy second guess himself. Is it a function of you know, like there's just certain matchups, guys have that feeling, or you can go into a game and you can make that happen. You can impose that on a guy and kind of steal his his confidence. That's both. That's the name of the game in the playoffs. And a lot in the regular season, let me just see how tough you are. In the playoff runs that we had, we just want to see if you're going to make shots, if you're going to fold. If we went on a run, we'll see how you react. Hmm. Certain team, you just know, like, I'm, I'm going to beat you. Yeah, you know, you're not tough enough. You're not tough enough. We don't believe in you. Uh, you're not going to make plays. You're not going to hit shots. You know, we go on a run. You're going to fold. You're going to argue with your teammates. Like, you, you can feel it. And that's why my, my credit goes to LeBron because we thought he was that guy yeah. in Boston and he showed us he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, he certainly, he certainly evolved. Very last thing before we go. KD, watching all this happen without him. What do you think's going, what's going through his head? I think he's thinking, wow, like this is a blessing in disguise because when he gets out of there, it's it's not going to be a big of a, a fuss as it would be. Say, hey, hey man, it, it, it's time for me to part and go my, my separate ways. And as a player, obviously he's having a little anxiety. On one end, you're happy for your team and this is natural. This is flat out natural and anybody who doesn't say they don't feel this way is lying through their teeth as a former athlete. One end, you're very happy for your team. On the other end, you want them to lose and you want them to say how badly that they need you. (laughs) So I had a a friend of mine who is a Warriors fan. Didn't realize what a big Warriors fan she is. But she asked, she, she brought this up. She goes, how do you think if he leaves, she goes, the, the Warriors fans will, will give him a warm reception when he comes back. Don't you think? They won't boo him. They won't be they won't be mad at him. And I and I I guess I raise this because you're bringing up the point that if they win before, if they win without him or they you know they, they show that they can I don't think they can. I don't think they're going to be the same team without him. I think that's fool's gold. But uh cuz I think I'm I'm convinced now that Sean Livingston is going to retire and I wouldn't be surprised if Andre Iguodala did too. And I don't know that it's easy to replace just the the collective experience that those guys have with this team and the roles that they played and their their basketball IQs. Although Kevon Looney is doing a nice job of showing that he deserves to be part of this part of this mix. But I wonder what what do you think as of right now? What do you expect the if if KD indeed leaves, the reception from Warriors fans is going to be? If they end up winning another one this year, I think it's going to be absolutely fine. You, I mean, honestly, you are you are really happy to have them. You you are happy to have them. I, I don't know, like this isn't Stafford, you know, Clay. Like you are happy to have them. They, there's nothing that Warriors fans can complain about. You know, obviously there are going to be some people that complain in general. Yeah, there's always going to be people who boo. There's always going to be people who give who give him a hard time, but. That's just I mean, look. People are giving you a hard time on on Twitter. I have your back, by the way. It's just if it's only one knucklehead, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give them the the pleasure of joining us on the same platform or or 
acknowledging what they're saying, but there's some clowns out there. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's fine. They know my name. As long as they, they shoot me a follow. I don't. I just don't like that. You get blocked if you say something derogatory towards me. But if you want to talk basketball, you disagree. I love it. I love it. Bring it on. See, I don't. I never block anybody. I just mute them because that way they don't know that I can't see their stuff anymore. If you block somebody, they know they've been blocked. If they've been muted, they don't know that they've been muted because they still see your stuff. You just don't see theirs. I love that. I, I love the. I love the clandestine aspect of that. It might make some sense, Rick. I might need to start muting, but and I think likes it because, uh, you know, they just know I play no games. But, I mean, that's a good point, man. That's a really good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, having made a good point, finally, uh, we'll end with that. That does it for this episode of Buker and Hollands, subsidiary Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Uh, keep in mind, we're very close. I think we need... Just a couple more ratings, and then we'll be able to have our drawing and give away our uh, prizes. And then we'll have another drawing and give away more prizes. But uh, we need to get to 100, and I think we're at like 94, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, make, up, make up some fake accounts and uh, screenshot your review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And then send it to at Buker Friends, and you'll be eligible to win the prizes. And will be eligible to <laughs> give the prizes out. In the next podcast, I'll be joined by Will Blackman, and we will continue our conversation about the playoffs. We'll see where we are with the Bucks and the Raptors, and can the Blazers make this a series over the weekend? We'll get all to we'll get to all that, and then whatever else is coming up. I'm going to be headed to New York next week, so maybe able to get some intel on. The KD Kyrie situation from the Knicks. All of that, hopefully, in our next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.